Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Man, some beautiful people here this morning. Uh, I see some new folks. I see some folks I haven't seen in a while. We are just uh, uh, so glad that you are here just to come and just to worship. I, uh, we're going to dive right into God's Word uh, this morning. Uh, if this is your first time, uh, there should be a visitor's card in and around your, uh, your chair there. If you could take just a moment, uh, fill that out. We're going to make it really easy for you. Fill it out and just drop it on your seat uh, before you get out of here. And we would love just to connect with you uh, sometime this week. But uh, hey, before we get uh, just started this morning, may- maybe your morning has been a little bit like mine. It's like uh, everything has gone on and it's not always been great. Anybody else like that? You know, maybe, maybe your hair just means you just couldn't do it. I mean, you tried and you tried, and that's what you're thankful for those who are bald. Give me an amen, because you don't have that problem, all right? Or, or maybe this morning, maybe, maybe you and your spouse had some disagreements, or, or maybe somebody cut you off coming to church, or you're, maybe they took your parking spot, or whatever the situation is. I, I know that it's so easy to get distracted, and I believe God has a word. Uh, I believe He has a word for me, and I believe He has a word for you this morning, and I don't think anybody is here on accident this morning. Uh, whether or not you came here gracefully or you were drugged here, uh, I am thankful uh, that you are here. So let's do this just for a moment. We're just going to be still just for a moment. Some of you are like, that's going to drive me crazy. That's okay. We're just going to be still just for a moment, and then I just want to pray over our morning uh, together. Let's do that. Father, thank you um, for allowing us to come and to gather freely, Father. Lord, without the worry of, of persecution, Lord, we get to choose to come and to, and to worship publicly. And God, we thank you for that. Father, I want to pray for every single person that is here. God, I pray, Lord, that you will... Allow us, Father, to set aside anything that might be hindering us from your word. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us. Um, God, I even pray that you would convict us, Father, areas in our lives, Lord, that, uh, Lord, maybe some areas that we're, you're dealing with and that we're also dealing with, God. I, uh, I pray that you would have your way this morning. I pray that, um, Lord, that you would humble me, God. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say. God, I want to pray for so many other churches in town that are gathering. Father, I pray that, uh, that you would do what only you can do, God. So again, Father, thank you uh, for this morning. Thank you for allowing us this opportunity. And God, we need you. Lord, we need to hear from you this morning. Father, we uh, pray these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 uh, this morning. We're going to be getting there in just a, uh, just a few minutes. Um, I really kind of want to set up um, kind of where we're headed uh, this morning and something I believe that God put on my heart uh, to share with you. Um, every so often, maybe some of you teachers, maybe you 
Some of you speak publicly here and there, and you're just uh, you're kind of just moving down a track, and then God kind of speaks to you, so you kind of take all your notes and you and you throw them in a the trash, and you have a big panic mode. Uh, and God, you you need to give me the words to say. You need to give me some direction here because uh, if you don't show up, this is going to be a mess. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, a little anxious, just to be honest with you. Um, but I believe God has a word uh, for us, something that He's just been really just been. Just challenging me in my own life. Uh, maybe he'll challenge you as well, and maybe some areas in your life that you need to just to continue to surrender to him as he is wanting us to become more and more um, like his son Jesus. And uh, as I was reading this week, uh, there was one thing that really just stuck out to me, and most of you uh, probably already knew this, but all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, one of the big key components that I see of who God is and who uh, Jesus is in His nature as well as His pursuit of us. Um, sometimes I like to have pity parties. Anybody been there before? We talked about partying last week. We were talking about just celebrating who Christ is. But sometimes, sometimes I want that party to be about me. And I want people to be understanding of where I am. And just the thought of just God's continual pursuit of, of my life and your life, kind of blew me away. I've heard it many, many times before, but just that, I feel like the God just really just spoke that into my spirit. I feel like I needed it. I think He knew that I needed that. And maybe, maybe this morning that's where you're at as well, as God's pursuit of you. God loves and adores you. And all through Scripture, He, he wants to be a part of, 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 of our lives and helping us navigate the decisions and the things that go on and uh, this morning, I, you know, I hope that um, we're going to be able to diagnose uh, two categories in which I think God wants each and every one of us, God's desire uh, for each and every one of us. And I hope that you can have a, a self-diagnosis of where maybe you would put yourself uh, this morning. And the first category of, of people that God is searching for and what He calls us to is, is those who are fully committed um, I think that's where God's just been challenging me. You know, you do pretty well in some areas of your life, and maybe you struggle in other areas. And, and, and one of the passages that he brought to my heart is actually out of the Old Testament. It's Second uh, Chronicles chapter 14. Um, you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to kind of read a few scriptures of, of, of passages there. But uh, the story is about a man by the name of Asa. Um, Asa was a king of Judah, a king of Israel. Uh, he, he, he preceded uh, Dan- I mean, I'm sorry, not Daniel, David and, and Solomon and many of them. And, and uh, Israel had gone through some different splits. You know, we know that happens in churches and in all good things. And uh, the nation of Israel actually had been going through some very rough times. Some of the leadership of that moment, of that time, were... Uh, had lost focus, and they were choosing to follow after things that gratified themselves, and, and, and they, they, were in a, they were in a rough spot, just to blatantly put it. And they, God raised up Asa. And, and one of the things that it says of Asa in, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 14, it says that Asa uh, did what was good and right in the eyes of his Lord, his God. It says he removed foreign altars in the high places. He smashed sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey His laws and commands. He removed the the high places and incense altars and every 
town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. And, and one of the things that uh, happened during that time is, is the king would always lead out in battles. And, and during this time, they had several years of peace because Asa chose to follow after the things of God, and he, and he blessed that in their lives. And uh, all of a sudden, one of these other uh, empowers decided they're going to overtake Judah, overtake Israel, and, and so they, they go to battle. And, and Asa, he, he goes to battle, and he gets everything ready to go to battle. And, and here's what it says. It says that in, in verse 9 of Second Chronicles chapter 14, it says that Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with a vast army and 300 chariots and came as far as, as Mashra. Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephaniah near Marshra. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. He pleased with the Lord. He says, Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail or prevail against you. And then it says, The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah, and the Cushites fled. You see, this is early on in Asa's kingship. He was young, and as I look back on my life, that moment that I decided to follow and give my life to Jesus, man, I was on fire. Many of you were that way, and you were just telling everybody about Jesus, and, and you were kind of Asa, and you were telling people that, you know, God is not honored with the way that you're living, and you, and you go in, and you, and you make choices maybe in your family, and, and your friendships, and, and you get things where they need to be, and your life is just pursuing the things of God, and then, and then all of a sudden life steps in. Anybody been there? It's like, like, like things are good, and, and there's nothing really going wrong, there's those moments of peace, and then and all of a sudden you start to settle. You start to settle in your walk with God. That's exactly what happened to Asa in this story because once again, an army prevailed and they, and they came up against Judah and, and rather than Asa doing what he's been called to do, rather than Asa being fully committed to his job, is, is you know what he does? He hires out his job. Somebody be like, that guy's pretty genius, all right? But he hires out the one thing that he's supposed to be doing, and that's leading his people. And so he hires out another general, and they go to battle. As you can imagine, things don't work out the way that he thought they would, because here's the thing. Asa got to a point in his life where he had too much to risk. I mean, he was settled, and he had, he had, he had built this kingship and all of these things, and, and things were going good, and, and I feel like God was just speaking to me in that way. There's going to be times where you have to take risk. There's going to be times when if you are fully committed to the things of God that you're going to have to go against the flow. You're going to have to rise up and make decisions for your family, for yourself, things that honor God, whether or not people are for you or against you. And so that battle takes place, and it did not go well at all. And so God sent someone to Asa. Don't you love when God sends you someone? Some of you are like, no, I really just never, it just depends on where my heart is in that moment. 
It depends on where my heart is in that moment. And Asa, he didn't take it very well. It actually says that he got angry because there was a man of God who came to him and said, have you not forgotten how God has provided, how God worked in your midst all the way up to this point? And here's what it says about God. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. He's looking throughout the earth. To strengthen those whose hearts are, here's here's our word this morning, fully committed to Him. And then he goes on and he speaks to Asa and he says this. Maybe you've been there before. He says, you have done a foolish thing. You have done a foolish thing and from now on you will be at war. One of the things that has really stood out to me this week and in this passage, and if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going we're gonna to jump right in. But it's that God is in an all-out search for two kinds of people in this world. And as we've already said, the first kind He can use is someone who is fully committed to Him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Does that describe you? How would you answer that question? Better yet, how would the people around you answer that question for you? Because in our story here in just a minute, Jesus is, is gathered with all types of people and, he's, and, he, and He tells three stories in Luke chapter 15. And, and the people that He's telling the story to, He's trying to get His point across because they have thought they get to a point in their lives where they are the only ones who mattered to God. Anybody been to that at their point in their lives? You know, it revolves around me. It's all about me. And as Jesus tells these stories, lots of conviction breaks out in the lives of these men. So if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 15, uh, we're going to start in verse 1 there together. It says this. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Jesus goes on, and we'll we'll, we'll dive in just for a few minutes. He tells them the story of the lost sheep, and then the lost coin, and then the lost son. And next week we're going to dive deeper into the lost son, probably one of my my favorite Bible passages in all of Scripture. But but he uses this description of, of something that's lost. Remember last week in, in Luke chapter 14, we talked about that, that Jesus was throwing a party. And He sends out all these invitations. And, and we didn't have time last week, but the end of chapter 14, it literally says that He sends out all of these invitations to these important people. And they all have excuses of why they can't be a part of the party. And so Jesus says, you know what, just go find anyone because everyone is a part, everyone. He wants everyone to be a part of the party that Jesus is throwing. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 4, he says this. He starts the story. He says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Now, just, just on the offset, it's not a big deal. There you're thinking, okay, what's, what's he getting to? But here, I want you to see where the Pharisees are seen cultural-wise. First of all, um, shepherds during that time were somewhat of a second-class citizen. 
They did not have the rights of everyone. They could not even go and, they, and worship in, in the synagogue because they were, they were known as unclean people. And so as Jesus is, is telling these, these Pharisees, these people who think they have it all together and they have all the answers and all of these things, he, he brings up, the, you know what, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Not only did they think lowly of shepherds, all right, in that culture, it's very much of an honor-shame culture. So if someone in the Middle East, all right, even today, if they were to say, tell this story, they would say, you know what? Suppose a sheep got lost out of your flock. Not suppose one of you lost a sheep. There's a big difference there, all right? One, you're casting the blame on the sheep because they're dumb and they don't know any better. One is, you know what? It's your fault. Like there, there, there's, there's a fault here that this sheep or this one lost sheep has lost his way. So he says again, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. He goes on in verse 4 and he says, Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Here's what they're thinking right now. First of all, you know what? I wouldn't be in that predicament because I don't want to be a smelly, stinky shepherd. That's what they're thinking right now. The second of all is, is you know what? Why are you casting blame on this shepherd here? And the third thing is that what they would say is, is you know what? There's a hundred sheep. I've still got 99. Anybody else there? Maybe he'll find his way back. Why put any kind of effort of going after the one, the one lost sheep? I want you to see something here. And I've, and I've read this many times before that this really jumped out at me as what the shepherd did here in verse 4. He says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country? Again, I've, I've read that before, but it really just jumped out at me. You know what? You don't leave sheep in the open country unintended. You don't, you don't do that. Because they are at risk of so many things of coming and devouring them and overtaking them in that situation. But here's the thing. The one lost sheep was of such importance to this shepherd that he was willing to risk leaving the 99 who were safe, all right, at least at that time they were safe, he leaves them in the open country to go and find that one lost sheep. And in verse 5 it says, When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Just so I know you're listening, how many sheep were there? Somebody. There were, how many got lost? Or how many did that, that one man lose? How many? And you guys are good. What happened when he found the sheep? He rejoiced. He, he, he picked it up. He took it home, he called all of his friends, and he had a celebration because there was one sheep that was lost. Here's the thing, the Pharisees are thinking, you know, it's one sheep, who cares? I've still got 99 and those who have worked with sheep are probably saying the same thing. You know what? It probably serves them well to be lost. Maybe they'll find their way back home. 
he found one lost sheep. Maybe, maybe this morning you're that one lost sheep. People around you have given up on you. They're tired of you making the same mistake over and over again. And you know that you are lost and you are seeking someone to come after you. I just want you to know that even when somebody else or or anybody abandons you, that God is in pursuit of you. God is in full pursuit of you. Rejoice with me because what was lost is now found. Verse 8, he goes on and just tells another story. Um, It says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. I want to stop there again. I want you to see the perspective in which Jesus is trying to teach these people in culturally speaking as well. Unfortunately, the Pharisees of that day um, saw women as not just a second-class citizen, but even a, a third-class citizen. And I'm so thankful that Jesus came and he, and he taught them and He challenged that and He let everyone know that we all have worth and that God's call on each of our lives is something that is special and He's continuing to call men and women, young and old, to be a part of, of building His kingdom. But in this moment here, these Pharisees here, these religious leaders that are, that are doing everything by the book. And, they, and, and Jesus said, you know what, you're, you're missing it. And so I almost love that he's kind of putting some salt in the wound. He goes, I really want you to see what's going on here. I want you to see your hearts in this matter. So he uses an illustration. Suppose a woman, and they're thinking, oh boy, where's he going this time? Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. How how many silver coins does she have? She has ten. The proportions are changing here. Oh, you've got a hundred one. Not a big deal. We can replace it. Not much worth there. Jesus says, oh, no, there's worth even in the one. Now, now, now we've got ten. Now, coins during that time were of much value than they are today. All right, some of us don't even use coins at all. Or my kids don't even hardly know what a coin is, particularly, until they come to a bubblegum machine. Hey, Dad, what goes in here? I got my credit card, man. We're good. anyway. But coins were of great value because they bartered much in that day. And so they didn't didn't pass a lot of money around. So this woman's worth was in these coins. This This was a huge deal for this woman. She had these ten coins, and she loses one. And it says that she scours the house and, I mean, she's picking up her couch and and she's going everywhere. And you know where she found it? Under her sofa. And I'm totally kidding. I don't know where it was, where most of my stuff is. But it says, that she swept the house and she searched carefully until she finds it. In verse 9 it says, And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice 
with me I have found my lost coin. In verse 10 it says, In the same way I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So the first story, the the hero of the story is the shepherd. The second hero of the story is the woman. I was reading some R.C. Sproul's and some commentaries from him this week, and he says this, if you start reading these stories and you can't figure out who you are, just know that you're never the hero of the story. And I was like, eee. God is always the hero of the story, wanting to redeem us, wanting to call us, wanting to send us out, wanting to challenge us in our lives. She throws a party, she rejoices. Why? That which was lost has been found. And then Jesus tells his third story. And we're going to dive deeper into this next week. Um, Verse 11. It says that there was a man who had two sons. You see, you notice the progression here. We have... A hundred sheep, we have ten coins, and now we have two sons. And I love this story uh, for for so many different reasons, and many of you know this story very, very well. But this man had two sons, and we always say one was lost, but really both were lost. One just stayed at home. One, One was going through the motions. One, one was coming to church every Sunday. Sorry, sleeping baby right here, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Um, one was content with where they are. Didn't have any troubles. Still being fed. But they weren't growing. You see this story, many of you again know this story. One child asked for his inheritance early, which is something that uh, was very shameful in that time. I can imagine the Pharisees kind of opening their eyes a little more towards this one. Okay, now, now you're kind of speaking my language here. One son chooses to take that inheritance and he goes and he squanders it. Many of you know the story. He gets to the point in his life where he had lost it all. Completely empty. Maybe that's where some of us are this morning. And then God's Word says that he finally came to his senses. It says he came to his senses and he thought to himself, you know what? The slaves, the people who work for my father, they've got it better than I do. So he says, you know what, what I'm going to do is is I'm going to get my stuff together, whatever I have, and I'm going to go back home, and I don't know how my father's going to respond. Think about that, dads. Think about that for a minute. How do you respond to a son that squanders everything, makes foolish choice after foolish choice? You know, know, in himself, you you almost kind of want them to, to pay back what was lost, or give them a guilt trip for so long until they get to the point where they're really sorry, or, or whatever the situation is that we struggle with. 
But this young man, he, he comes back, and I'm sure the Pharisees are, I mean, they're, they're into this one. They can finally connect with this story. And then all of a sudden, the story kind of takes a little bit of a twist culturally. This father, an amazing story, he was, he was waiting. I can imagine him being on the front porch. He was probably in his rocker, probably, sipping some coffee. That's what I've been doing, okay? And he sees his son. He's far off, his lost son. I can just imagine him, him just getting up and just getting excited and probably just overwhelmed. There's my son. There's my son. He's coming home. He's coming home. And the cool thing about this story, he doesn't just wait. The story says that he, he literally, now if you don't know anything about the culture there, even in the Middle East today, they wear basically dresses. I don't know how else to put it. They're called thobes. They're full, all ankles. And it was incredibly undignified for men to run in that culture. Amen. I would love that culture. Totally kidding, all right? You can't run. Okay, no problem. But this, this man, he chooses the love of his son, and he doesn't care at that point. It says that he literally, he pulls up, and he shows his ankles, which is something that is very, again, undignified in that culture. And I can imagine all the Pharisees like, oh, you know what I mean? They're just kind of shaking their heads like, like why would he dare do that? Like, 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 how could he do that? On the outside, how could he do that? And it's said that he comes and he embraces his son. And his son has this whole story of what he's going to tell his father, and his father wants none of it. He doesn't even care. He is, he is so thankful. And once again, he calls to everyone, go get the fattened calf, we're going to have a party, because why? Why? My son was lost, but now he is found. I want us to see why Jesus told them this story. Some interesting points here. Number one is in each of these stories, the plot line involves something that's lost. In each of these stories, number two, what is lost really matters to the hero of the story. Isn't that true? The shepherd is so concerned about the loss of one sheep that he risked the other 99 to find him. The woman is so distraught over the loss of one coin that she cancels all of her plans and scours the entire house. The father is so brokenhearted that his son has wonder that he endures the scorn of the entire village by running to him when he finally heads for home. You see, in each of these matters, in each of these cases, what was lost matters so much to the one who lost them, that it warrants an all-out search. And the third thing in each of these stories, when what was lost is found, the hero is so thrilled that they throw a party to express their joy. And then number four, in each of these stories, the hero is someone who wouldn't really be admired by most religious leaders. You see, the conversation that's taking place here 
as Jesus is, is speaking and he's, and he's sharing with, with the lost and the tax collectors and they're, and they're wondering why Jesus would want to spend his time with them because they had forgotten what matters most to God. They, they, they thought that they have, they have gotten to a point where, where God only cares about me because I have my life together. Like I'm doing all the right things. Like I haven't missed a Sunday in seven years, six months, and three weeks. But I am so empty inside. You see where Jesus is coming from here. He goes, you know what? From the outside things are going on, but on the inside you're empty. On the inside something is going on. You're missing something. So what's he saying to them? He's saying there's two kinds of people that God longs for and searches for. Number one is the fully committed, and number two, those who have a heart for the lost. You see, Jesus knows only the fully committed reach out to the lost. Only the fully committed serve the church so that it's the place where the lost can be found. Only the fully committed pray diligently for their friends who will otherwise spend a Christ or a Christless eternity. Only the fully committed alter their spending habits so they can render the full tithe and fund the ministries that reach lost people. Only the fully committed stay up late dreaming of way to reach out to their lost friends and neighbors. Only the fully committed look out of the eyes that see as God does thinking first of others and then secondly of themselves. As we said last week, it's, um, I think it's so easy for us to get distracted. I think it's so easy for us to lose focus. It's so easy for us to, to get fuzzy on that calling God has on your life. And that's something that God has really just been challenging me because He's been speaking to me, Brandon. You can so easily become that Pharisee. Just remember, you are who you are because of who I am. There's nothing that you've done. And as I neglect, as we, as we lose focus, we, we become the people that Jesus is talking to just, to just to remind them what really matters to God. I'm going to ask you just to, just to close your eyes as we close our time together this morning. Um, maybe this morning um, maybe you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have surrendered your life to Jesus but maybe you've become very casual in your walk with Him in your relationship with Him Maybe the story of Asa somewhat describes your life. You got to the point where it's not willing or you don't think it's worth risking thanks for Jesus. I want to challenge each of us um, today and over these next few weeks as we continue to walk out this series. And I want to, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer every single day. And here's what it says. God, break my heart for the lost. Give me eyes to see as you see. 
and give me the boldness and strength to respond. I want to read that one more time. God, break my heart for the lost. Give me eyes to see as you see and give me the boldness and strength to respond. I'm going to ask you something right now. Maybe maybe that's not where you're at. And maybe God is just speaking to you. Maybe God has just been challenging you in your, in your walk with Him. And you would say, Brandon, you know what? I want to commit to that. I, I, want, I want to commit that I would allow God opportunity to speak into my life and for Him to show me some things that aren't of Him and that he would, he would give me the strength and the boldness to make some changes. Maybe it's to take a different path. Maybe it's to, to change jobs. Maybe it's to, to, for the first time, pursue Him with all of my heart. Or, or maybe it's to, 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 to go after the call that He's been calling in your life for so many years, but you have settled. So maybe that's where you're at. You say, Brandon, I, I want to be that. I desire that. I'm just going to ask you with all eyes closed, just real quickly raise your hand. I, I want that for my life. I want to pray that prayer. Amen. Thank you. Maybe this morning, maybe you're still seeking out answers and you're just still not convinced of God's love for you. You see, there's also two categories of the lost in the world today. It's the lost who are looking and the lost who aren't interested in looking. And my prayer and my hope for you this morning is that you will decide maybe for the first time to go on a search for truth. To go on a search for God just like He's searching for you. God's Word says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I'm just going to ask, maybe there's someone here this morning who would say, you know what, Brandon, that, that's me. I just feel lost. And I am... I need to be found. I feel like everyone has abandoned me and I just feel so lost, but I need to be found. If that's you this morning, I just want to give you a chance very quickly. We're almost done. Just to raise your hand. That's what you would say. That's where I'm at. I'm just going to be honest. That's where I'm at. Thank you for raising your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I just want to pray for us as we close together. Father, we just... uh, God, thank you for who you are. Um, God, I pray that you would make us a people. God, I pray that you would make us a church that is fully committed and a people in a place where the lost can be found. God, I pray that you would stir in my heart. I pray that you would stir in this church's life, Father. All of those here this morning, God, that you would light a fire, Lord, that you would renew us, God. Because I find myself so many times, Lord, being the Pharisee in this story, God, and I, and I miss it. But God, I'm so thankful of your constant pursuit 
Lord, that you are faithful even when I'm unfaithful, Father. And Lord, we want to celebrate that, God. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people, that we would be a church, God, who has a heart for those who don't know you, Lord, and that this could be a safe place, Father. And Lord, that we would celebrate when someone gives their life to Jesus, Father. Lord, I pray that that would bring excitement to us, God. I pray that you would give us a heart for those around us, Lord. I pray that you would give us boldness and and strength, Lord, to carry that calling out that each of us have on our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father, for who you are. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.